0: Welcome back to our sermon series, Chosen. I want to spend just a few minutes, as we have here, to share some ideas about uh, a continuation of where we finished last week and moving forward with what it means to be chosen. You know, last week we really focused on the idea that we, we were a royal priesthood, we were a holy nation, and, and we heard those terms, we would have said, well, that doesn't really doesn't sound like me in some ways, that, that's, a, that's, that's a, a, a tall order to be chosen. Like that, when when Peter says those things about us, he's challenging us. Well, he's challenging us to be maybe different, and uh, to be different is to be holy. Uh, holiness in its purest sense is just to be different from the world, and to be like God, more like God than like the world. Well, as we think about being holy, we recognize it's going to require change. And sometimes we're change resistant. We don't always like to change, but but change is an important part of being chosen. In fact, here's the first key concept I want you to grab hold of today. When God chooses us, God changes us. Now, that's an odd thing to say in some ways because we like to say this. We like to say, well, God accepts us us exactly as we are right here today, and that's true. He accepts us as we are. He, He doesn't expect you to go get yourself right, and then accept Jesus. No, you come as you are, but understand something. When we come to faith, when we come to Christ, when we come into a relationship with God, he will change us. Think about this for a second. Think about someone like Peter, who we've been reading a lot of his writing. Peter was a fisherman until he met Jesus, and he was transformed into an evangelist. Or think back to that woman that Jesus encountered in Samaria, the woman at the well. She had not wanted to be around people. That's why she came to the well when no one else was there. She didn't expect for Jesus to be there, but he was. But through her encounter, she was changed. And she goes back into the city. The person who didn't want to be around anyone else goes back into the city and starts telling everyone about Jesus. He changed her. When you come to Jesus, when he chooses us, he changes us. The madman of Gadara, demon-possessed, ran around half-naked, crazy person, had abandoned his family, has an encounter with Jesus, he goes home clothed in his right mind, back to his family. So gather this point and understand that if we're chosen, and we are, we made that emphatically clear last week, that God chooses us, then understand that God will also change us. Listen to these words from Romans chapter 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. So that that body that is ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised um, from the dead... He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. We are no longer slaves when we're chosen. We are free men and free women. We've been set free. But there is a change that happens. He describes it as putting away the old self. Now, one of the challenges we face, and, and there are a lot of folks that we have had come into the church and come to faith through our addictions and outreach ministries. And here's what I find remarkable when we deal with someone who's been an addict uh, and has had that as a part of their story, there's really never a problem with them saying, You know, God's changed me. Uh, they're, they're more than willing, usually, to say, Yeah. I really mess a lot of things up, but thank God by His grace I've been forgiven and I'm in the right place, or on a better place. But you know not have have had the most struggles with. It's not people who acknowledge that they've really made a lot of mistakes. It's people who are just genuinely, generally good people, and they have that attitude that says, "Well, I'm not sure why I really need to change anything. I'm a good person. I, I'm a pretty moral person. I don't know why I need to do something different." It's hard for them to understand sometimes that if God chooses them, he changes them because they don't really want to change. Sometimes it happens to us if we misunderstand this truth, that it's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing process, that the changing that God does in us doesn't just happen when we come to Christ, it continues through our whole life. He's a, in a process of refashioning us to be more like Jesus, the image of his son. And so it's a lifelong process, but sometimes we can get complacent and think, well, I'm, I'm good enough on the journey. Uh, I'm already, I'm, it's, I'm good enough. I'm not going to change anymore. I'm where God wants me to be. No, know a lot of strong Christians who've come to the place where they kind of think that sometimes. You know a person who has struggled with that if you know a history of the church, D.L. Moody, famous evangelist had done all kinds of incredible things for God, led revivals at the beginning of the last century that, that changed the shape and the religious landscape of entire nations. Incredible evangelist. Most of his career, he was a hellfire and damnation preacher, scare people out of hell. It was kind of his mindset. He certainly wasn't expecting what God put in his, play, his path. But I've been sharing with you that when God chooses us, God changes us. And for Moody, it happened through a most unusual experience that happened to him while he was in Ireland. While he was there in Ireland doing a revival, he came across a young man one day. He called him a baby-faced kid who was named Harry Morehouse. And when Harry Morehouse met D.L. Moody, Morehouse said, now listen, Dr. Moody, God's called me, I'm going to come preach at your church. <laughs> now, D.L. Moody, back in Chicago, very well known, nationally known and internationally known, large congregation, and here is this person in another country with a baby face who somehow says, I've got a, a message that needs to be preached at your church. And, and Moody tried to be polite, after all, he figured he'd never see this kid again. He tried to be polite and, and, and be nice, but uh, in his own heart, Moody had reflected, this guy's, who is this kid think he is? Which is why it was all the more shock a couple of years later when he gets this letter in Chicago that says, Dr. Moody, I'm here. I'll be coming to preach at your church. And he was kind of shocked by that. And, and so uh, it didn't take long. And all of a sudden, here this kid shows up. And, and Dwight L. Moody says he did everything he could to dissuade him. He, he did everything he could to say no to the kid. And finally, uh, not wanting to give up his pulpit, he said, Well, here's what we'll do we'll schedule a revival in Chicago. And for for a week long, we'll hold a tent revival and you can preach there. And Morehouse accepted, of course. The night that he went to preach, he, on the very first night of his his revival, he chose John 3:16 as his text. I mean, how basic could you get this past week? We had our trunk or treat event. For kids that come to Ogleville, I had this thing where you could get a uh, king-size candy bar if you could tell me a Bible verse. And I'll tell you that about 80% of our kids chose John 3.16, right? It's just what they did. It's the basics. Well, the same thing here. Moody thought, oh my goodness. We're going to get the very basics, baby food from a baby-faced boy. But if God chooses us, he changes us. And even Dwight L. Moody still needed to change. Moody reflects on what happened that night in his journal. I want to read to to you the words that he penned after the experience about Harry Morehouse. He says, Harry preached a most extraordinary sermon from John 3.16. He did not divide the text into... Secondly, and thirdly, and fourthly, he just took it as a whole. And then he went through the Bible, starting in Genesis all the way to Revelation. And in each book of the Bible, he proved that in every age and at every stage, God loves the world. I never knew up to that time that God loved us so much this heart of mine began to thaw out i could not keep back the tears as he preached it was like news from a far country and i just drank it in morehouse seemingly could turn almost any part of the bible and in that turn to almost any part of the bible and prove from that text you see god loves us He just beat it down into our hearts and I have never doubted it since. Moody says, I used to preach that God was behind the sinner with a double-edged sword ready to hack and to hew us down but I have gotten done with that kind of preaching. I now preach that God is behind the sinner but not With a sword to cut us down, but with arms outstretched to catch us if we fall. I am done preaching, and I am done running away from the love of God. Powerful. At every stage, at every age, God continues his work of refining us, of making us more like Jesus If he chooses us, and he has, he changes us. Now, there's a second concept that I want to talk about, and that's that concept of holiness. And here's the key phrase, uh, the second, not the first. When God chooses us, it causes us to desire to be holy. And it it causes us to desire to be more like Jesus. I like what Paul wrote in Ephesians. He said, surely you've heard of him. You were taught in him. In keeping with the truth that is in Jesus, to put off forever your former way of life, your old self, which is being corrupted in its deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Paul wanted to be more like Jesus. Have you ever met someone who makes you better? Someone who, when you're around them, they just make you a better person. And they make you want to be a better person. I'm sure you've met someone like that in your journey that just they inspire you when you're with them. I had an old basketball coach that did that for me. He was. I wanted to just give him everything I could on the court. I I was so inspired by who he was and, and the character that he had. He made me want to be a better person. It's neat when we have someone like that in our lives. And Jesus is like that in our life. When Jesus is in our life, when he's chosen us and we've chosen him, we desire to be more like him, to be better as people. And we can accept that most of the time. We can accept that God wants us to be better. But sometimes we have a hard time accepting that God's making certain people better when people are like us and they're similar to us, we can accept that God's doing a work in them and he's improving them, but but there are always some people it's hard for us to accept that. It's hard for us to accept that God wants to bring a change in their lives, or it's hard for us to trust it, that it's real or it's true. I don't know if you've heard the story of Colonel Holman, but Colonel Holman was a leader, a military leader who was responsible for the deaths of thousands of people as his governmental leaders were engaging in systematic genocide. You've heard about how genocide has affected people, places like Rwanda and the Balkans and parts of Armenia and, 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 and all kinds of different areas that have been affected by one group of people deciding that another group of people can't even live anymore. They shouldn't be allowed on the planet, so they systematically want to wipe them out. It's horrific. Holman was a part of that. It was horrific. He was responsible for the deaths of thousands of people. Sometimes people fought back, and Holman still to this day bears the shrapnel of people who resisted Annihilation. His story is powerful. In the midst of all of that, in the midst of the slaughter, Holman goes to sleep one night, which it makes us wonder, how could you sleep at night if that's what was in your life? But he goes to sleep, and as he sleeps, he dreams and he has an encounter with Jesus like Paul's on the road to Damascus. Holman's experiences that Jesus says stop killing people why are you doing this stop stop following these corrupt leaders and follow me he was no Christian he was no God follower and he was troubled by his dream and so he sought out a Christian person and he asked him what do you think about this And the person said I think God's trying to get your attention and he did. Today, Holman's story is fascinating and powerful because not only God, did God choose Holman, he changed Holman. And today, Holman helps find houses and provides food for thousands of children, many of whom were orphaned by his orders his life is changed. If God chooses us, he changes us. He causes us to desire to be holy people. He causes us to desire and want to be more like Jesus. It's just like him. He chose Paul. Paul who was every bit as guilty as Holman in his crimes. He made him into one of the great theologians and leaders of the church. He chooses you. He chooses me. In spite of our weaknesses, our fears, our foibles, and our flaws, he chooses us. Mark said a nice thing this morning that I think is right. God doesn't expect us all to climb Kilimanjaro, but he expects us all to use what God's given us for God's glory. You're a hyper guy like Mark who likes to ride 10 miles on his bike before he comes to church or run 5 miles before he comes to church. Well, then you would do something like this. If you like sitting on the couch most of the time, he might ask you to do something different. The question is not... What's he going to ask you to do? The question before us today is, am I going to do it? I'm going to do what God asks me to do. There are some of you who are here who perhaps have never responded to God's most important question. Do you love me more than these? If you are ready to say yes to God, I invite you to come as we stand and we sing our hymn, of invitation today. let stand.